0: a seat, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us, for giving us your word, and ultimately for speaking to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the word revealed to us. Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you have said you know us by name. I pray this morning that as we dig into this text, that we would understand more and more of the joy that it is to be sheep in your flock. Jesus, the good shepherd. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, over the next nine weeks, we are going to do a sermon series called the Shepherd Series, Jesus and His Sheep. And the point of this, what we're going to do over the next nine weeks is to look at different gospel passages where Jesus instructs His sheep. Over and over again, the Bible compares the followers of God, the people of Jesus, to sheep. And Jesus is the good shepherd. And so what we're going to do, and as we just read here, John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep know my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And so what I want us to do as a church is to hear Jesus' voice, to look at his actual words, his actual teachings, and follow him to apply what he has taught us. If we are sheep of Jesus, then we need to understand his instruction for us. We need to understand his leading in our lives and follow. We need to listen, we need to obey, we need to do. And I think all of us engage every day in certain things that Jesus taught us on that that we need instruction on. Things like how do we handle our money? Things like human sexuality. Things like judgment. What does it mean to, to be judged by God and to judge one another? Things like injustice. There's so much injustice around the world. And you flip on the news and you hear, about, you hear cries for justice and outcries about injustice. And Jesus instructs us, instructs us in all of these things. So for the next nine weeks, we're going to take different things that Jesus instructed you and I about and just simply say, what does Jesus teach us about these things and how do we follow him into these things? The shepherd series, Jesus and his sheep. We want us to hear the voice of our good shepherd. But before we get into certain topics, I want to start this Sunday by looking at This parallel, this this analogy of the shepherd. That's what we have here in verses 1 through 6 of John chapter 10. Jesus is teaching Pharisees and, and some of his disciples. He had just healed a blind man and people are asking him questions. They're wondering about his power and here he is instructing them. How do we know who's in? How do we know who's a follower of Jesus and how do we know who's not? And he gives this analogy of a shepherd and his sheep. A common biblical analogy, over 200 times sheep are mentioned in the scriptures. Almost every mention is of God's followers, God's people, comparing us to sheep. Almost 200 times we are compared to sheep. Now, we should probably take some offense at this because sheep are dumb animals, Sheep are incredibly stupid animals. The point of John 10 isn't to make the point of how dumb sheep is, how dumb sheep are. It's to make the point of how great the good shepherd is. But sheep are incredibly dumb and we see this throughout the scriptures. What we know about sheep is that they wander. They just wander off on their own. They will leave their flock. They will wander off on their own. They will get into danger. Sheep fight with one another Sheep, if they don't have a good shepherd, they will will be in a green pasture, they will eat all of the green, they will eat all of the grass and foliage there, and then they will stay there. You can look up, look out, and there's more green pasture over there. The sheep won't wander over to the green pasture and eat it. They will just stay where they ate all of the food and go hungry. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep will fall and flip over and they can't get themselves back up. If somebody doesn't come along and tip them right up, they will lay there and die. They are filthy, stinky animals. They are dumb animals. The only good thing about sheep is that they listen to their shepherd's voice and they don't follow a stranger. That's what we're told here in John chapter 10, verse 5. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. That's the only thing that sheep do right. They follow a shepherd who they know, who they recognize. The point in this is that if you think, think you're great, you're not. Stop thinking you're great. God compares you and me to sheep. Stop believing the lie. You're not great. You are a dumb sheep in need of a good shepherd. It's really good for us to remember that, church, that we are Sheep prone to wander in need of a good shepherd. And this passage gives us this promise, gives us this truth that we have a good shepherd. That's the analogy that we start with here. Sheep are dumb. They will wander. The only thing that sheep can do properly is follow a, shepherd's who's, a shepherd whose voice they recognize. And so you and I, what this text is teaching us is that we will chase the things of the world. We will chase our own impulses. We will rely on our own wisdom If we aren't consistently listening to Jesus, our good shepherd, and seeking to follow him and apply his instructions and go where he leads us. That's what this passage then moves us into. It starts with this shepherd analogy and this gate analogy. It says that Jesus is the gate and the shepherd. Look at verse 7. As Jesus now moves us into this analogy in a greater way and he teaches us the good shepherd. Verse 7. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And so in ancient Israel or in any sheep culture, how many of you own sheep? Nobody. Okay, so it's good for us to do that background about how dumb sheep are because we aren't aware of how dumb sheep are. In a shepherd culture, they often have these, these pens or these gates where they will keep the sheep and no one will come in and out of that gate except for the shepherd. And so Jesus starts this shepherding analogy saying, I am the door, I am the gate, and I am the good shepherd. Jesus is both the door and the shepherd. He tells us here in verse 7, I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the, and the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Later in the Gospel of John, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying the same thing here, that that I am the way to to the green pasture. I am the way to the still waters. I am the good shepherd who leads you in those ways, but I am also the door or the gate by which you enter my fold. You join the flock of God, you join the church, you join Jesus' family through Jesus, placing your faith in Him, trusting Him, following Him. And so Jesus is both the door and the Good Shepherd. He tells us that He is the door or the gate, but then He expands on the Good Shepherd analogy. In fact, I think He gives us six things in this passage that He does as a shepherd, six primary things. The first one is that Jesus seeks the sheep as the Good Shepherd. If you are a sheep of the good shepherd, it's because Jesus sought you out. He he searched for you, he found you, he came. As he says, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the door, he is the gate. He is also the shepherd. Look at verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they, my sheep, may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The way that we become a part of God's fold, the way that we become a part of Jesus' flock is by trusting him. We can only trust him because he has sought us out. He comes looking for us. A shepherd, again, we're not very familiar with a shepherd culture. A shepherd will go to the market and he will buy the sheep that join his fold. That's how it starts. He goes to... to a market, a sheep market. He goes and he, and he looks at the sheep and he decides which one he wants and he inspects them and, and then he chooses the sheep that he wants to buy, he purchases it. He goes looking for them, he finds them, he purchases them, he buys them and he brings them into his fold. In the same way, Jesus purchases, purchases us with his blood. He, he seeks out, he knows us. Ephesians tells us that he knows us before the foundation of the world. And so Jesus seeks out his people Maybe you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior when you were four years old. Maybe you came to know Him as His Lord and Savior when you were 50 years old. Maybe you're here today and you don't know if He's your Lord and Savior. The fact that you're here hearing about Him means that He's seeking you out. Jesus seeks His sheep. Look at John 10, verse 16. I love this passage. Look at Jesus' heart for the lost. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. So He's talking to His disciples. And, the, and some of the Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees. And he's saying, the disciples, you're in my fold. The, the Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees, some of them are outside of it. Some of them are going to join the fold by trusting Jesus as the good shepherd. But as he talks to them, as he's talking to the church, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. There's people who live around this building. There's people who you work with. There's people in your own families who are not yet a part of Jesus' fold. They're not sheep of Jesus. They are following their own way. They They are dumb sheep wandering, straying off on their own. They're in danger. And Jesus says, those sheep, I want them to be in my fold so that I can bring them to green pastures and lead them beside still waters. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. What an evangelistic heart Jesus has. And I have other sheep that are not yet a part of this club. They're not a part of this church. They are lost. They are dying. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus seeks his sheep. He brings us into his fold, and then he seeks us when we are strained. once we're in his fold, right? I mean, there's other passages that tell us that Jesus leaves the 99 and goes for the one lost sheep. Jesus, as the good shepherd, he seeks us his sheep. The second thing that this passage is telling us that the good shepherd does is to know the sheep. He knows us, and, and that's in this entire context. There's not a great verse to just point to because the entire context of this passage is reminding us, it's telling us, it's teaching us that Jesus knows his sheep. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if he is your good shepherd, he knows you intimately. He knows you deeply. He knows your fears. He knows your hesitations. He knows your anxieties. He knows your joys. He knows your losses. He knows your victories. He knows your wins. A good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows the personalities of his sheep. He knows knows the propensities of his sheep. He knows that this sheep will wander after that thing. This sheep will wander after that thing. In this situation, this sheep's going to go that way. In this situation, this sheep's going to go that way. Jesus knows his sheep. So, church, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and he is your good shepherd, know that he knows you. Intimately, deeply. There's nothing hidden from him. He knows your struggles. He knows your shame. He knows the repeated patterns that you live your life in that aren't helpful and are self-destructive. He knows you. He knows you. And because he knows you, he is best equipped to lead you to green pastures and still waters. Next thing in the passage teaches us, and again, this is in the entire context, is that he leads the sheep. Because he knows the sheep, he leads the sheep. He's able to lead us where we should go. Look at verse 3. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So he brings us into the sheep pen, into the gate, into the fold when it's time to be in there, and then when it's time to go out and find pasture, when it's time to go out and find water, he leads us. Jesus leads his sheep sheep. Verse 27 again, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus, the good shepherd, is a leader. A shepherd goes in front of the sheep. He leads them by being out in front, showing them the way that they should go. A butcher walks behind, driving them to the slaughter. Jesus as a good shepherd is not behind us whipping us into shape saying get, get yourself in order. Go this way, go that way leading us to the slaughter or driving us hard like a slave master. No, he's in front saying you can trust me. Would you go where I lead? Would you follow me? I'm bringing you to green pastures. I'm bringing you to still waters. Jesus leads. That's what he as the good shepherd does. The next thing he does is he feeds the sheep. This is what it means when, when it tells us that he brings us to green pastures and a lot of this talk comes from Psalm 23, which you're probably familiar with. We're going to sing it after the sermon. That Jesus leads us into green pastures and besides still waters. He feeds his sheep. So what it means that he will bring us out into pasture. Look at verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Pasture there is where they go to eat. So yes, Jesus leads his sheep, and he leads his sheep into the pasture from which they eat. He satisfies our soul. He gives us what we need. He fills our empty stomachs. Literally and figuratively, he feeds his sheep. Next one is that Jesus protects his sheep. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In ancient Israel shepherding culture, there were wolves that would come and they would prey on the sheep. They would destroy the sheep. They would eat the sheep. They would, they would tear the sheep away from one another. And here Jesus is saying that I lay down my life for the sheep. I protect them. No wolf, no bear, no lion comes in between me and my sheep. Danger that seeks the sheep out, whether it's sin or, or just spiritual attack. Jesus, as the good shepherd, is there protecting you. He's protecting you from yourself. He's protecting you from your own propensity to wander after things that would bring you damage. He's laying down his life as the penalty for your very sin. Sheep wander. They wander into bad situations, into into circumstances that get them lost and in trouble. And Jesus protects his sheep from wandering. He also protects his sheep from what comes at them to destroy them. And then the last one here is that he preserves his sheep. Look at verse 28 through 30. I give them eternal life. Preserves. Jesus gives us eternal life. Life that never ends. Life that goes on forever. And remember in verse 11, it says, I give them abundant life, okay? I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So eternal life isn't just something that happens in the future after we die or after Jesus returns, but he's come now if we believe in him, if we are his sheep, if he is, his good sh- is, if he is our good shepherd, we have put our faith and trust in him. He's leading us besides the waters. He's leading us into green pastures. He's giving us the abundant life here and now. That doesn't mean we'll have everything we want. That doesn't mean that everything will be great, good, and grand all the time. But it means that there's this internal peace, this abundance that he's given us. And then he's given us this promise to preserve us until the end. Verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No death. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. He protects and he preserves. If you are in Christ, if you are a sheep of the Good Shepherd, if you are in his flock, if you are in his fold, that's something that can never be taken away from you, church. Sin as you may. Doubt as you do. Remember that Jesus has promised that no one will snatch you out of his hand. You are his sheep. He bought you with a price. He knows your name. He leads you. He feeds you. He protects you. And he preserves you. I gave them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. Greater than sin. Greater than deception. Greater than false prophets. Greater than your own propensity to chase the things that you like. That aren't good for you. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Good Shepherd seeks you. He knows you. He leads you. He feeds you. He protects you. And he preserves you. Church. This is what the Good Shepherd does. What do, you, what do you, we the sheep do? I've talked about it a little bit already. We stray. We wander. We're, we're smelly, filthy animals. There's some, some various things that sheep do in the scriptures that we're taught. Here's kind of a big list. And this is sheep in general. Sheep often are weak. They are sick, they are injured, they are stray, they are lost, they are scattered, they're malnourished, and some are healthy. But as we read through the scriptures, as I mentioned, the scriptures refer to us as sheep about 200 times, and a lot of the Old Testament context and calling of us sheep is saying that my people, Israel, they are weak, they are sick, they are injured, they have strayed from me. They are are following their own passions, their own wants, their own wills, their own desire. They aren't listening to the voice of the shepherd. They're lost. They're scattered because a wolf came came in, a a false teacher or a bad leader, and scattered them. Or they're malnourished. They haven't been fed properly. Their souls are withering because they haven't been fed the good food of the word of the Lord. And then there's also some healthy sheep. There's healthy sheep. What do healthy sheep do? Five things that healthy sheep do. They know the shepherd's voice. That's what John 10 is teaching us. My sheep hear my voice and they do my will. They follow me. A healthy sheep knows the shepherd's voice. A healthy sheep follows the shepherd's lead. As he says, this is the way that we should go. A healthy sheep falls in line. They don't wander. They don't go their own way. They don't listen to a different voice. A healthy sheep eats the food that the good shepherd gives them. As the good shepherd leads them to a green pasture, the healthy sheep eats that food rather than strain to a different pasture. A healthy sheep accepts the protection, a healthy sheep accepts the protection of the good shepherd. They don't think they can do it on their own. They don't have this independent spirit that says, I don't need you, I'm gonna go and I can take on the lion myself. You foolish sheep who can't do anything. Sheep can't protect themselves. They have no self-protective mechanism. Most animals do. I mean, a fish, I love fishing. They have fins that fly up, and if someone tries to, a bigger fish tries to eat them from the backside, the fins stab them. It doesn't always work all the time. Sheep, they have nothing like that. No self-protective abilities whatsoever. And so healthy sheep, they accept the protection of the good shepherd because they know that they're in need of protection. And healthy sheep remain in the shepherd's care. They don't wander looking for something better, looking for something different. This is the mark of a healthy sheep. They know the shepherd's voice. They follow the shepherd's lead. They eat the shepherd's food. They accept the shepherd's protection. And they remain in the shepherd's flock. And so, church, let me ask you, is Jesus your shepherd? Practically, is Jesus your shepherd? We have a lot of visitors coming to our church and I I want to ask you because I don't know you yet and I don't know if you're a Christian or not. Is Jesus your shepherd? Have you joined the fold? Have you joined the flock? Have you placed your faith and trusted him? And maybe some of those who have been in churches for your entire life continue to ask this question. Is Jesus my shepherd? What would it look like for him to be my shepherd? Well, it would mean that you live this way. Or maybe this way. I mean, if you are a sheep of Jesus, you are in his fold. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy. There are six sheep in Scripture. And so the next question is, first one is, is Jesus my shepherd? Am I a sheep in his flock? All of us need to ask ourselves that. If you're not, join his flock today, and I'd love to talk with you later about that. If you are If you have confidence that you are a sheep in the flock, in the fold of Jesus the Good Shepherd, what type of sheep are you? What type of sheep are you? Are you sick? Are you injured? Are you malnourished? Are you strayed? Are you lost? And would you come back? Would you listen to Jesus the Good Shepherd? Would you allow him to lead you to green pastures and still waters? There's no shame In being a sick, injured, strayed, lost, scattered, or malnourished sheep. I mean, you don't want to stay there. Who wants to live their life like that? But there's no shame. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, is not ashamed of you being weak, sick, injured, strayed, lost, scattered, or malnourished. You know what he is? Seeking you out, chasing you, wanting to heal you, wanting to help you become a healthy sheep. And what does a healthy sheep do? These things. So assess yourself, church. What type of sheep are you? What type of sheep are you? And if you're not the type of sheep that you would like to be, would you continue to trust and follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd, because He can heal you? And then lastly, in what areas of life do you need to listen to the Good Shepherd's voice? And I think this is true for all of us. Even if you are a semi healthy sheep in the flock, it's so easy to listen to other voices. So in what areas of life do you need to listen to the Good Shepherd's voice? How is he instructing you to use your money? How is he instructing you regarding your sexuality? How is he instructing you regarding judging others? How is he instructing you regarding living a life of joy? How is he instructing you regarding the injustices of the world? These are some of the things that we're going to look at over the coming weeks. Ask yourself, in what areas of my life do I need to hear his voice? What areas of my life do I need specific instruction? Ask yourself if you'll follow the Good Shepherd's lead and accept the Good Shepherd's protection. These are some questions that I want us all to assess. As we continue to go through this series over the coming weeks, as verse 27 says of chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Church, I want us to hear Jesus' instruction and I want us to follow it. I want us to use our money the way that Jesus instructs his sheep to use their money. I want us to pursue human sexuality in the way that Jesus instructs his sheep to pursue human sexuality. I want us to think about the injustices of the world in the way that Jesus wants us to think about the injustices of the world. That's the point. This is where we're going. Now, we can't end here. This is some application, right? These are some application questions for us. We can't end with application. I mean, you can. I can't. In my own spirit, I can't. Because there's so, so, something so much more glorious in this passage than us assessing our own selves right? I mean, this is good. This is instructive. This is what we need to do as Jesus' sheep is assess our life, assess our following, understand who our good shepherd is, and, and fall in line with listening to his voice and following his lead. But we can't stay there. We need to come back around again to who the good shepherd is. And we don't end with application. We end with exaltation exaltation of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. And so here's some application questions for you to think through, but let's go back to exaltation. That's glorying in who Jesus the good shepherd is. Jesus is the door, right? We come through him into his fold. Jesus is the good shepherd, right? We learn that in John chapter 10. But what we didn't learn in John chapter 10, but what the scriptures teach us is that Jesus is also the sacrificial lamb. And yes, he's the good shepherd who leads us into green pastures and besides still waters. But he's also the green pasture and the still water. He is the one who revives our soul. He is the one who gives us rest. He is the food that we are hungry for. He is the water that we are thirsty for. This is our good shepherd. He is the door. He is the good shepherd. He is the sacrificial lamb and the place of rest that our soul needs. Look at Isaiah chapter 53 with me. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 6 and 7. It's on page 614. This is a prophecy about us in Jesus. Verse 6 says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We're all at different varying degrees of health as sheep maybe. Some of you maybe have strayed very far. Some of you are, are, are pretty close to Jesus but you can feel the impulse and the, the lead to stray in certain areas of your life. And this prophecy says, all of we like sheep have gone astray. We have each turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity, the wrong turning, the missing the mark, the sin of us all. Verse seven, he was oppressed. Jesus was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus isn't just the good shepherd. He's also the representative sheep, the one who perfectly obeyed God, the shepherd. I mean, this is just mind-blowing. Jesus is the shepherd and the sheep. He's the door. He's the pastor. He is everything, Church, Jesus is your everything. He is the sacrificial lamb. He's the good shepherd, but he's also the lamb in the flock, the one leading the way, the one who is taken out of the flock to be sacrificed for the sake of the other sheep. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb, and then let's close by looking at Revelation chapter seven, verses nine through seventeen, and. Psalm 23 is a great passage for this text as well. But I want to close with Revelation 9, a less, Revelation 7, a lesser known one. And it'll have some similar themes. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. This is near the end of all time when Jesus will return. and This is a vision that John had. Verse 9, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all people and all languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Jesus, the sacrificial Lamb, the representative sheep for his people clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Jesus. And all the angels were standing around the throne and all the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus, the sacrificial Lamb, gets us into the fold, keeps us in the fold, and Here's also what it does. It leads us beside still waters and green pastures who is Jesus himself. Verse 15. Therefore they, before the throne of, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. He who sits on the throne, Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd, the Sacrificial Lamb, Shelters us with his presence. Church, don't walk out of here in fear or anxiety or depression. I mean, there's some clinical stuff, right? So I'm not throwing that away. But cling to this truth that Jesus, the Lamb of the world, shelters you with his protection. Verse 16, it goes on They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Amen church, this is where we are headed. We have small elements and bits of this. Jesus told us in John chapter 10 verse 11 that I have come to give them life and give it to them abundantly. That's available to us here and now. Glimmers of that. Portions of that. And ultimately, for eternity, we will live the abundant life where we will thirst no more. We will not be hungry. The sun will not be beat down on us and scorch us. The things of earth that aren't as they ought to be will no longer affect us. For the Lamb is in our midst, the great shepherd on the throne will guide us to springs of living water and will wipe all tears from our eyes. This is Jesus, the good shepherd. Will you follow him? Will you listen to his voice? Will you abide in the green pasture that he's created for you? Would you drink from the water that he's provided for you? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are in what you've done. You indeed are the door, the gate by which eternal life comes from. You are the good shepherd who knows how to lead your people. You are also the sheep doing life with us, not up above us, not removed from us, but you, Jesus, came in the flesh and walked among your people so that you could empathize and understand what we go through on a day-to-day basis and in that you instruct us in how we should live. And you are also the green pasture and the still water that our soul longs for. So I pray that we would find all of our satisfaction, all of our obedience, all of our joy in you, Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, the gate, the sheep. And I pray now that you would nourish our souls with the reminder of what you've done on our behalf as we take communion. For your glory, for our good, and the advancement of your gospel, we pray. Amen.